Coming up on Tech News Today, Facebook open sources its data centers. The FCC forces the carriers to play along nice and let each other roam on their wireless pastures. And it's Declaratory Judgment Thursday. We'll tell you why next. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Tech News Today is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Tech News Today for Thursday, April 7th, 2011. Tech News Today is brought to you by Netflix. Watch thousands of TV episodes and movies streamed to your PC, Mac, or TV instantly. Plus, get DVDs by mail in about one business day. For your free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash twit. Bienvenidos on Tech News Today. Me llamo Thomas Merritt. Me llamo Sarah Lane. Me llamo Ayaz Akhtar. And I'm Jason Howell. He doesn't like Spanish. <laughs> this is the show where we uh, kick around the tech news of the day very seriously. He likes quesadillas, though. That's, That's true. true. It's quesadillas are great. quesadillas, Sarah. This not is a very in serious Idaho, show. it isn't. <laughs> they make them with potatoes. There. That's true. Yeah, they're not flour tortillas. They're, pa- they're potato, potato tortillas. tortillas. Yummy. Mm. A very Eastern European of your tortillas. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Facebook had a big old press conference today, and they've changed the world. What did they do this time? Uh, they have introduced the Open Compute Project at opencompute.org. I'm assuming they couldn't get opencomputing.org, hence the name. And it is a project about building more efficient servers and data centers. Uh, and, and, and not only that, but they're opening up the specs and the designs. Uh, specifications and mechanical drawings for the servers are open for others to use and build, as are detailed specifications of the building's electrical and cooling systems. Uh, they had a one-hour press conference. They've also put up a four-minute video sort of explaining the goals of this. But they, they just want to save people money and, and energy. So there, this is not like an open-source project where people... Uh participate in the building of the center it's here's what we've done this is efficient go ahead and use it right. for yourself it is not a barn raising got it or a data center raising yeah <laughs> it is it, it is basically hey we this, where do we put we, the server we put a lot of work in this mm-hmm. uh to figure out how to make it more efficient we want to share that with the world that's cool yeah one thing about facebook is like you don't think about them with hardware very much but their servers are never down. It's like you can go to Facebook all the time. Maybe Twitter will pay attention to this and go, hey, look, we can build servers too, and we can have our uptime like Facebook's. I mean, this seems really interesting because I know there's a lot of cloud computing stuff going up soon. Oh, yeah. In fact, there's there's tons of, of cloud computing. Facebook has year. gone up and down once or twice that I can think of in recent memory. But, but you're right. For the most part, it's pretty solid. Yeah, they've, they've redesigned their servers, right? So they have they don't have fans in them, which is an interesting, interesting idea. They're using their data center fans, I think, to cool their whole servers. And they're saying that they want everybody else to try this out, and whatever improvements they make, well, they want to know about it. Uh, the designs are open source, I think, or Creative Commons. Uh, they're not selling any hardware or anything like that either. Yeah, it's a, it is, it is a, you know, when you talk about people contributing, you can contribute back into the project if you find a better way to do something than, than the, the specs, and they mm-hmm. intend to, to keep revving them. And so it's collaborative in that sort of open source way. Uh, meanwhile, a couple of other uh, cloud announcements. Dell plans to spend a billion dollars to build 10 new data centers. Uh, if they use the Facebook designs, that would only be $760 million. 
because the Facebook designs save you 24% on cost and 38% on energy efficiency. Well, I certainly hope Dell takes advantage of opencompute.org then. Yes, uh, but Dell will spend the, that money to run both private and public clouds, uh, offering Microsoft Azure as well as VMware and OpenStack. Uh, HP does this. Dell already has some cloud offerings as well. This is a big expansion for them, though. They also announced a new product called vStart, an easy-to-buy virtual infrastructure that's based on the Dell PowerEdge servers, which run on those new Xeon processors we were mentioning in yesterday's show. Uh, and that, that was a, that's another big upgrade announcement. You can buy these uh, PowerEdge servers, these vStart, and the idea is you don't have to know a whole lot about the configuration. Uh, a Dell representative comes, turns them on, hands you over the keys, and then they work. Now, why is this interesting to the consumer in general? I mean, there's a lot of stuff about, we've got Dell with tons of data centers, and that sounds great and everything, but like, when, yeah, when it's do like, we get what to, are we going to yeah, do? How does this impact what we're doing? Yeah, well, this and the IBM announcement we'll get to in a second uh, will, are going to make it easier for IT managers to let you use whatever computer you want in the workplace. Uh, the, uh, the, the point of a lot of this stuff is, if, you, if they're running VMware, OpenStack, or even Azure, they can lock down a virtual image on your drive that, that, and you wouldn't even have to have the image on your drive. You could just connect to the server and be like a thin client to get all the business needs done. And then it doesn't matter if you install some keylogger or, or some piece of malware on your machine. Uh, it doesn't impinge the security of the enterprise system. And it also means that they can say, yeah, fine, Sarah, stop your whining. You want a Mac? Here, have a Mac. We're just mm -hmm. going to put VMware on there so you can get all those Windows applications you need through the cloud system from Dell. It's like creating a central computer of sorts. Yeah. Instead of a bunch of local computers that are connected centrally, you're, you're even, you even have more of like a, it's sort of a little bit more like a corporate. It's like terminal computing. Yeah. Yeah. There's somewhere Larry Ellison, who's been gunning for the thin client for years since like, what, 96 or something, is like screaming. It's like, I wanted to do this a long time ago, but now the tech is here. We have Scott broadband. Scott McNeely, yeah. We got broadband, we got 4G or LTE anyway, and you can do this on the go. Uh, also, IBM announced Smart Cloud, a mix of public, private, and hybrid cloud options based on what they need. Uh, the options are built around five aspects. The need for security and isolation, like we are just talking about, availability and performance, uh, the technology platforms needed management, and ease of deployment, payment and billing. Uh, they are also, IBM is also working with 45 companies on cloud standards for interoperability and security. So it wouldn't matter uh, which which system, whether you're with Dell, whether you're with IBM or somebody else, you would be able to mix and match your servers. Because, you know, I mean, even desktops, people don't want to buy all from the same vendor. Mm -hmm. uh, same goes if you're, if you're doing private cloud, uh, you want to just buy some servers from Dell, you want to buy a few from IBM. If they're interoperable, it makes that better for everybody. Do we know who any of these 45 companies are? Any names that we'd be familiar with? Yes. Or have they not released? We do. We do. We do know these things. Yes. But I don't remember them. Okay. <laughs> not, not Somebody Facebook. knows these things. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> not like that. Uh, Pandora is sending users GPS, sex, birth date, and other data to ad servers. Uh, this is I'm a daily Pandora user, so this doesn't sound good. Sounds like Viracode was just playing around to see what data gets sent from Android. Uh, they, they were just curious what data gets sent from apps, and they happen to have Android. So they looked at it and found that uh, they send this data, and they did not check the iOS app, so we don't know if it sends the same data or not. Uh, Pandora says the data is for music recommendations, but Veracode says the data also goes to advertisers. Sounds to me like a, a mistake, like a data dump that's sending more data in aggregate than they need to. 
Well, also with Pandora, I mean, I, I, you get ads when you use Pandora free, mm -hmm. uh, which I do. And I mean, I would say every six songs on average, I'll get a Target ad, like for Target the store. And, you know, it's like 10 seconds long or I, I don't know. I mean, if that's what they're getting from my sex and my birthday, it's like not the end of the world. Is this really that bad a thing? I mean, like, so that means the ads will be targeted better for me. Like, this is the ad I want to hear. You know, I'm 31 and I'm a, I'm a man. What do I want to see? Like, give me a beer ad or something like that. But like, I mean, if you have like a 16-year-old you know, kid, maybe they're not going to be marketing the same thing. I mean, maybe it is a mistake. Maybe this is just a, a whole data dump. But is this really that bad? Well, the app app seems to be uh, integrated with five separate ad libraries: Ad Marvel, Ad Mob, Comscore, Google Ads, and Media Lets. Do you do you think that they need to know exactly where you are, your GPS, and who you are, and be able to target all of that information without your permission? Without my permission, no. Well, that's they what's just, going on. Well, it could be. The, uh, let's let's see Pandora change their TOS and see if they're behind this or not. That's what I'm kind of curious. Are they going going to say, look? I don't care if they change the terms of service. If I didn't explicitly say you can collect this stuff, I don't want it. I don't want it happening. I mean, it may be legal for them to do it. I but think that, the GPS is the most concerning of all of these. Whether I'm male or female and how old I am, I mean, there are, I'm 34, and there are a lot of 34-year-old women in the world, right? But where I am physically, when I'm at the gym playing Pandora in the morning between this time and this time, I don't necessarily want to share that with a bunch of strangers. They can give you an ad for the Starbucks around the corner. You know, like you get a very targeted ad. What if you had like There more is localized? no Starbucks around the corner. You're a terrible stalker, I as. <laughs> Darn. My Pandora information was not valid. Earlier this week, Pandora was subpoenaed by a federal grand jury regarding data collection practices. So this is uh, bad timing uh, for Pandora yeah. as it is. I still think I, I still think this is uh, this is data that they weren't explicitly trying to send to these companies they just this is like google street view they weren't we're very sorry careful. we'll just i don't know if it's it. that i don't know if it's that benign i'd put it somewhere in between mm -hmm. yeah all right let's uh thank our sponsor for this show netflix you can uh stream movies and tv shows directly to your pc or mac uh or right to your television you got an xbox you got a ps3 or a nintendo wii you can you can watch netflix on those right on your television watch as many movies as you want anytime you want no late fees no due dates uh, DVDs can be shipped to your house, or you can just watch streamings, uh, streamings online. The streamings, I like to the call streamings. them. Yeah, that's good. What have you been streamings lately? I've been streamings the uh, Jason X, which is in the Friday the Thirteenth series, and uh, it's got some interesting stuff, including one particular horrible death, which I won't really explain too much. But the MythBusters actually try to recreate it. And you can also stream MythBusters. You can you on can, Netflix. That's that's the beauty of Netflix. You you can watch something and then go, is that true? And then go stream MythBusters and find out for <laughs> particular particular parts of. Movies. If you'd like to uh, try out Netflix and show your support for Twit, do it right now. Netflix.com/slash/twit, and you will get a free trial membership. So so try it out today. And pretty soon, all the Mad Men back catalog. Mm -hmm. I know that's, that's right. right. Pretty cool. Coming up, AT and T and Verizon are mad. But Sprint and T-Mobile and everybody else are happy over the fact that the FCC is, has passed new rules saying that uh, all carriers must follow the same roaming rules for data that they follow for voice. So you get to use AT&T and Verizon's infrastructure if you're a little guy. Yeah. You have, you, the FCC is not saying they have to open up their network. They're saying they have to uh, negotiate on commercially reasonable terms and conditions. So if I'm a, a little provider in New Mexico and I want to offer a nationwide data plan, I can go to Verizon and Verizon has to answer the phone. They have to negotiate with me and they have to give me 
what is considered a reasonable terms and conditions. Now, if I can't afford it, that's, that's fine. They can set their prices however they want, but they can't set it so high that no one could afford it. And they can't not, they can't just turn me down and say, no, I won't, I won't negotiate with you. But I mean, wouldn't, uh, whether you can afford the plan price that they're offering you really depend on how big of a company you are? I mean, a tiny little uh, company in New Mexico, for example, maybe is priced out, but a mid-sized company in Illinois is, can afford it. Right. So, so commercially reasonable can, can be different from different people. That's why the commission also reserves the right to roll out arbitration on behalf of a dispute. If, if two companies can't agree, uh, the two parties submit their competing offers to a third-party mediator, and the arbitrator then picks one of the proposals, uh, and, and both have to abide by that decision. It was a 3-2 partisan line vote. The, uh, the Republicans on the FCC said that this is going to hurt competition. It's going to hurt innovation. And the Democrats said this is going to help competition and it's going to help innovation. Well, so once again, politicians giving us true awesome insight into how all of exactly. this works. Either it's going to be horrible or it's going to be great. So let's see how this works out. Yeah, AT&T and Verizon's uh, thing is, is look, we, we want to be able to, to get paid for the infrastructure we rolled out and mm -hmm. somebody else shouldn't be rewarded because they just waited for us to spend all the money to roll out the infrastructure knowing that they could force a deal. It's a bit like that whole North Carolina thing where the government's had a, the, the, there was this bill that's saying that North Carolina, if they built municipal infrastructures such that, uh, that telecoms were able to access that. And the telecoms were all upset about this. And now they're like, well, the government has to open up things. They have to allow us to use these same pipes. But now that the telecoms are being told you do have to open up your pipes to other people. They're getting upset. So, well, yeah, and they're not even being told. I, I find this to be reasonable regulation, which which says, look, we've got right, we've got roaming agreements for voice that are like this. We should have them for data because data is the new voice. It's the same thing. And rural carriers have a hard time uh, providing nationwide data. The, the United States of America needs nationwide data. It's a big place, and people travel from coast to coast quite often. Uh, so, you know, this is fairly light regulation as it goes. You're basically saying, look, you just have to answer the phone and negotiate with people. Uh, Verizon and AT&T don't like it because it's not in their best interest to, to have to negotiate with these folks they don't feel like. And the folks against it are saying, you know what, if the free market says that they don't want to negotiate, they shouldn't be made to negotiate. Right. I mean, I understand the point that Verizon and AT&T would have that it's like, hey, we... We set up this infrastructure, and now, you know, this is kind of screwing us over Why other people get to hop onto it. Well, they're going to get paid to share. I mean, they've got to set a reasonable price, but it's still a price that somebody has to pay them. And, I mean, the alternative is is that you can only ever use Verizon and AT&T, and that's not fair either. Yeah, they are the two major telecoms at this point. They've bought up everybody else, and so, like, if you right. want to get into competition, it's very hard to, you know, just start up your own... Uh, wireless carrier. It's not like something we're just going to do for the heck of it, you know? Yeah, share your toys. Earlier on Tech News Today, we talked about the fact that Google is not uh, issuing the open source code for Honeycomb yet. Even though you can buy devices with Honeycomb out in the marketplace, uh, open source developers can't expand on it or look at the source code until Google says, okay, we're going to hand it over. A lot of people have been criticizing them for saying that's not really the way open source code is supposed to work. When it is, you, know, you can't have a shipping product out there and still not have the source code open and call it open source. Google's Andy Rubin uh, went on to the blog Android Dev and said, look, rumors of Google tightening control of Android customization are, 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 are totally exaggerated. 
He said, quote, as always, device makers are free to modify Android to customize any range of features for Android devices. Our approach remains unchanged. There are no lockdowns or restrictions against customizing UIs. There are not and never have been any efforts to standardize the platform on any single chipset architecture. He's trying to put to rest a lot of the, the craziness that started to, to come on the heels of this decision to delay open sourcing Honeycomb. Android is supposed to be all open, so everybody's supposed to be able to download it, use it, customize it. And everyone was saying about, I think, last week that, okay, that's going to change. Google's want, they, they really want some tight control over this. Uh, now, Tom, you and I were arguing a lot about what open source means. And I'm just kind of curious, if Google just decided to stop calling open source, would everybody just chill out? Oh, there'd be an uproar. I mean, well, first of all, it's based on Linux. They can't just stop calling it open source. Okay. Uh, they, you know, the, because there, there's GPL issues in here. They wouldn't want to stop calling it open source either. Yeah. I and mean, they'd anger so much of the Android community. Right, if, they're, if they're basically violating stuff that's in the license because they're holding back all their... A lot of people feel they are already. And where's the point that they have to release everything? Okay, like if they make one change to the code, is now the time? To, I mean, why are they being forced? Well, you, to get, you can get daily uh, repositories from Firefox yeah. of the browser. Well, that's because they want to. Does Google have to do that by the license? They don't have to, but that means they're less open. Okay, right. less open source. I mean, this whole Andy Rubin coming forward, I'm sure he's just like, oh my gosh, we are withholding Honeycomb because we want it to be the best experience for everybody. It's all good, you guys. Just chill out. But that doesn't sit well with a community who wants to be able to uh, tinker around. I think what's really got people uh, upset is, you know, Motorola's out there with a honeycomb device. A few other device right. makers are coming with a honeycomb device, and yet the developers who helped develop Android to this point have not been allowed to use the source code. They can buy the device, but they can't use the source code, and that's closed source. And that's all, you know, another thing that uh, Google's being accused of is having side partnerships with certain companies who get to uh, roll out Honeycomb tablets before other people. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say that Honeycomb isn't finished yet when there is a product on the market running Honeycomb that's for sale. Well, that's arguable, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the Zoom didn't have Flash. It was missing a couple of things. Yeah, so maybe right. it really wasn't ready yet. I, th yeah. I think the Zoom was rushed out to market. So maybe Google's like, you shouldn't have released it. Well, essentially what Google's saying is it's not ready for the phones yet. And until it's ready for the phones, it's not done, and we're not going to release the, the the code. But don't you think that when it's ready for the phones, it'll just be ice cream sandwich and not honeycomb anymore? No, actually, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, there may be other pieces that to go into ice cream sandwich that will come down the line. It would be it would be funny and not surprising to me if both of them came at the same time. <laughs> mm. You get honeycomb for the phone, and then like two weeks later, you get ice cream sandwich for the phone. But that doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, wouldn't it, doesn't. it make more sense for Google to just withhold? I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I mean, if Honeycomb continues to be delayed and we're rolling up into an ice cream launch, well, then that's just what Honeycomb for, for the phone Are you interfaces. applying logic to Google's moves? I am trying to. Okay, yeah. interesting idea. All right. Uh, let's try to apply logic to analysts. <laughs> Gartner Group uh, coming out with a similar conclusion to IDC, saying Windows Phone 7 will overtake iOS by 2015. At least that was the headline on All Things D. Windows Phone 7 overtakes iOS. That's a big headline, right? Oh, Microsoft's going to beat Apple? Crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. But then Engadget said, Android grabbing over 38% of smartphone market in 2011 on Symbian's demise. So it just left out Windows and Apple from the headline. And then paid content said cheap Android devices will mean Google domination well into 2015, putting the fact that Android can be on a bunch of different devices and all this fragmentation we're talking about uh, in their favor, and they will dominate and nobody else matters. 
no. all of this is projections, and none of it's going to come true. Well, all their headlines are true based on the study. True. Okay? And the projections are based up to 2015, and Microsoft's supposed to gain where Symbian is losing because, obviously, Symbian is going away. They essentially, like, they, they swapped in Microsoft Windows Phone 7 for the Symbian number and then lowered it a little. And that, that gives them a number that's higher than what iOS has because they think iOS is going to stall out. Well, I mean, that means it's, iOS is sticking to its simple idea of it's on the Apple iPhone, and that's pretty much it. Actually, I guess iPod Touch and all the other iOS devices. But there's really not that many compared to Microsoft's Windows Phone, which is available on Nokia, and a whole other slew of carriers. Android, anybody can install it on theirs. I mean, that's, that's the one that's really going to take over, I think, at fifty, almost 50%. I believe the Android domination. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea that you just throw a bunch of Nokia phones out there with Windows Phone 7, and suddenly they maintain their market share... That's, that doesn't sound right to me. Right. They don't just get all those Symbian numbers just because. Yeah, exactly. Well, the weird thing is in 2015, apparently the Symbian's still supposed to have 0.1%. There's like one guy out there just holding on to it in 2015. And don't count out RIM or WebOS. No, I think WebOS is what, 3%? They're, in the, they're in the other. They're category. the other. No, yeah. RIM is, they have their own. RIM has their own, WebOS is in the other. Uh, and finally, Google Tablet, uh, there, there are, uh, let me rephrase that. There are, shreds of evidence that Chrome OS from Google will run on a tablet. Now, this isn't That's the first confusing. we've heard of a Chrome OS tablet. Thank you. Uh, this is just sort of the latest round of, hey, it's happening. Uh, yeah, well, the hints include a user agent string, virtual keyboard, a new tab page optimized for touch. These were all uncovered by Steve Shanklin uh, over at CNET. Uh, and... They, you know, last year there was a video mock-up uh, tablet Chrome, but we haven't heard anything else about it other than a couple laptops coming out with Chrome OS this year. So we have the Android honeycomb debacle over mm -hmm. tablets. Would would it make sense for Google to like then come out with Chrome OS for tablets? I've been trying to. Think. Why not? Well, here's why: because Chrome itself can just be an app on Honeycomb, right? It's a browser. So anything that could run in the Chrome browser could run as a Chrome web app on Honeycomb. So what you would have is an incredibly limited tablet that's a web-only tablet, unless it's going to be incredibly cheap, like 50 bucks or something. I can't really figure out why you would just want a web-based tablet. Well, why did people like the CR48? Why did they like I don't the concept? Know. I've asked the same thing. I've asked a lot of people, and they were, they were not happy about it. They're like, it doesn't... Well, the CR48 was really limited. So maybe when it's actually... In, in, in complete form where it actually has USB support and you can import video and do things with it, maybe then it's useful. But most of the people I talked to who play with the CR48 were just, they didn't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, why don't you put your browser in there and put it in full screen? It's the same experience. I don't know. I, I, I thought uh, it, it, the concept was pretty cool. I know a lot of people who were excited about Chrome OS I mean, there were some like trackpad uh, complaints mm -hmm. that that you know the 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 laptop in its um, in the form that some review units were sent out in wasn't ready for prime time. But it wasn't Chrome OS that annoyed people. I don't know. I if you could come out I with think a the tablet form of this makes more sense than a netbook form actually. If you could come out with a really cheap tablet mm -hmm. that ran Chrome OS, that might be the 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 thing that that makes it make sense. But it's the hardware that costs you the money, not the operating See, system. I think people did like the way that the Chrome OS had this idea that any computer is your computer. You'd log in, and there you go. You have your right. web apps. It's like your desktop. But That's I think already you, true with Android. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I was confused by this, because they've already integrated a lot of that stuff into Android. And this is just, like, if I said to you, Apple's coming out with a Safari tablet, wouldn't you guys be like, why? 
They already, but it has web apps. They tried. Remember that? That was the whole thing. Well, that's Chrome OS has did, web apps. But it didn't work when Apple tried it with the whole iOS thing. Like, yeah. We're going to have web apps. And they're like, open an app store. They didn't come up with a web app store. That was the problem. <laughs> no, that's the problem. All right, let's move on to the news fuse. <laughs> Remember how Monday we said you could put any version of Windows Phone 7 thanks to Chris Walsh's Chevron WP7 app on your Windows Phone? Well, at Microsoft's request, the app is now gone, and Redmond warns if you update your phone, you may not be able to get later updates and device-specific software, and ghosts might haunt you, so you just better not do it. Uh, Chris Walsh is part of a group doing homebrew development for Windows Phone 7 in cooperation with Microsoft, so that's how they got to him. Larry Page just started as CEO of Google on Monday, and he's already decided that all employees' bonuses should be tied to Google's social strategy. And if you're wondering what Google social strategy, that's probably why Page tied 24% of their bonuses to this portion of Google's portfolio. That's yeah, so a good luck, secretaries and everybody. Come up with an idea for a strategy. <laughs> Get Mike, social. Microsoft just launched a Bing app for iPad. You can search for stuff on the web by typing or by voice. Results show up right in the app, so you're not sent to Safari or anything. The Bing app also acts as a content aggregator, so if you probably didn't need a new way to browse the web on the iPad, you, know, you got another one. Yeah, so, it doesn't matter. Now you got one. Like Firefox and Opera. And, why do we use the browsers? I don't understand. Former <laughs> HP head of enterprise sales, Adrian Jones, is being sued by HP for stealing trade secrets. HP is saying that Jones copied data onto a USB device before bolting to Oracle. Also of interest is that before the whole Oracle thing, HP was threatening to fire Jones after finding out about an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate. Apparently working at HP is like being in a soap opera. <laughs> Sounds that way. According to Kotaku, the time is right for Nintendo to release the Wii 2. Kotaku noticed that Nintendo hadn't released a whole lot of games recently. In the past, this kind of thing happened right before Nintendo was prepping a new video game system. After a strong start, Nintendo's Wii just isn't as appealing since both the Xbox and PS3 got motion control. We'll see if the Wii 2 can garner some new interest. Google and the U.S. Department of Justice are set to be close to reaching a, a legal settlement over Google's intended $700 million acquisition of travel data company ITA Software, which has been under scrutiny since the deal was announced last July. Citing people familiar with the matter... Oh, them. Oh, yeah, those guys know everything. <laughs> the Wall Street Journal reports the purchase would be allowed, but with close government security for antitrust violations. Uh, yeah, so if you ever need to know anything, just go ask people familiar oh, with yeah. the matter. ESPN has taken control of the iPad app wars. The free Watch ESPN app will only work for you if you're a cable TV subscriber with Time Warner Cable, Bright House Networks, or Verizon Fios. But if you qualify, you'll have instant access to anything broadcasting on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, or the ESPN3.com website anywhere you have an internet connection. They do not limit you to being inside your house. Speaking of Time Warner, things are getting nasty over the Time Warner iPad app. Time Warner Cable filed a request for declaratory judgment Thursday in a federal court relating to Viacom. You make it sound like a holiday. Hey, everybody. It's declaratory judgment Thursday. I say, I say words weird sometimes. I just want it to be fun. You know, it's we're talking Friday, about judgments. Declaratory judgment federal Thursday. Court, you know, let's party. <laughs> Uh, relating to Viacom Cable Networks, uh, seeking a ruling that the cable operator has the rights under its carriage agreement to deliver Viacom's programming to any device in a subscriber's home, while Viacom responded that it will sue Time Warner for breach of contract and copyright violation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I am not surprised. Viacom never plays nice. This is yeah. a great step, though. Declaratory judgment, if that's the case, then this is done. 
Okay, that's going to be finished fast. So that'd be kind of nice to it's be. It's a bold move on Time Warner's part, yeah. huh? All right. Our uh, kicker today is about robots. Uh, in fact, the, the famous Geminoid robots, which are lifelike robots created by professors Hiroshi Ishiguro and Henrik Scharf uh, in their own images. And they got together, uh, the, the, the two professors and their assistant, with their Geminoid robot doppelgangers and hung out in a very uncanny valley <laughs> kind of party. Just extraordinarily creepy. Just looking at this thing. And Gadget has the video embedded, uh, if you look at it. They, the, the robots are meant to look just like their inventors. But the inventors didn't have to dress like them. And talk and act like them. And so, yeah, they all dressed alike. And they're just, like, hanging out, <laughs> looking, a, looking at each other. There's a scene I later. see, like, a Weekend at Bernie's sequel out of this somehow. Weekend at Bernie's 3? Yeah. I think there actually was a 2. I, oh, yeah. Oh, there was a 2. Yeah. Uh, there may have already been a 3, straight to DVD. Yeah, this this scene where they're all together at a, a round table is really weird because the humans are laughing and can move like humans, and then you see these just weird-looking, almost look like CG it's characters. It's very strange. The one of Henrik Scharf looks the most lifelike, I feel like. Very much so. All right. Wow. Anyway, that will be the end of us all. Yes. I have to say. Time for the calendar. All right. Barnes & Noble offered up more details on Thursday on its plans to open its Nook Color device to more Android developers. The company released new tools for those looking to create apps for the e-reader and said it plans to offer developers 70% of revenue generated through its store, with Barnes & Noble getting the remaining 30%. Apps for Nook. Nexus asked with AT&T's 850 and 1900 MHz 3G bands from online retailer Negri Electronics uh, for $600 in your choice of black or white. And according to Mobile Syrup in Canada, you'll soon be able to pick up the Nexus S on Fido and Rogers for Canadian $500 contract free or $100 with a three-year commitment. Both carriers use the same 3G frequencies as AT&T in the U.S. So we sneak across the border and we get a Nexus S on AT&T. And in white. Mm -hmm. Or black. Yeah. Black or white. Michael Jackson. Doesn't matter. Ebony and It Ivory. doesn't. No, it doesn't. T-Mobile uh, G2X is priced at $200. It's coming April 15th online, April 20th in stores. And the Sidekick 4G comes April 20th for $100 on contract. The T-Mobile's 4G mobile hotspot possibly going on sale April 13th. That would be an HSPA plus 21 hotspot for anyone who wants to know what they mean by 4G. They mean T-Mobile's 4G. Yeah. Ah, uh, Yes. Yes, we always have to explain what what kind of 4G. 4G is pretty much useless as a term. Uh, Boy Genius uh, reports we're going to get iOS 4.3.2 sometime in the next two weeks. Maybe it'll be uh, fixing that FaceTime bug that we talked about that the caller, um, caller or emailer. Anyway, somebody told us about weird uh, pictures being taken yeah. uh, on an yeah. iPhone 4, so... Possibly that'll get patched if it's even a bug. Firefox 5 is scheduled for a release on June 21st. This is part of their accelerated release schedule now. They're like Chrome where right. they're just going to keep they rolling them out. They don't wait for a bunch of features. It's just, just yep. bring it on. And Moscow is getting an Apple store inside the trade gallery of the historic and reconstructed Hotel Moskva. Just steps away from the Red Square. I am actually surprised Хорошо. that... Um, спасибо. That Moscow had not had a Apple store before. Yeah, I, I mean, it just seems like the kind of place. A lot of disposable income. A lot of new rich people. A lot people, of rubles. A lot of those. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, so welcome Apple. I'm not up on my Moscow culture. Good, good luck, Apple. On to the voicemail. Two six zero TNT show is the phone number. You can call it like Will did and leave us a voicemail like Will did. This is Will from Chicago. I just got done watching your show where you talked about the MakerBot. 
and uh, copyright infringement. Uh, I investigated MakerBots, and uh, they're somewhat expensive for just a home hobbyist person. And if I understand how they work, they use a an ABS plastic with a low melting point, and it's fairly soft. So if you want to make parts for your dishwasher, which might require a nylon gear, or you need uh, a set of four bolts to connect your uh, uh, transmission to your engine block, uh, which would require a hard steel, I think that these maker bots have a long way to go before we have to worry about that kind of problem. Good show. Uh, keep it up. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Will. Uh, th those are good points. The the maker bots are definitely in the pricey range right now because they're they're a hobbyist thing. They're, they're around thirteen hundred dollars, uh, so it's not something you just you know buy on a whim, throwing away money for. Yeah, but one of the things you can do with these uh, plastic based models is you can make molds, and then you can actually use the real materials that can stand up to these this kind of hardware and tear like uh, a car oh, or yeah. dishwashers. Just because it's plastic, I mean, it's not going to be able to be the part you use necessarily but you might be able to make a usable part from it. I wonder how much plastic is going to get thrown out when people are like, ah, darn, it's one inch off. I can't use this. Yeah, just like we do when we print out something where we're like, oh, exactly. it's running out of ink. Yeah. <laughs> you recycle bin for the mm -hmm. ABS plastic right there. Yeah, Yeah, and then your car, when, when you're like running out of plastic and your car has a part that was made, you know, when you were near the end of the cartridge. And, and you're like, do you think maybe this yeah, is just, just okay? Yeah, just go ahead and use it. More it should be fine. I mean, it's only my wheelbase. And eventually, and eventually these printers will print more <laughs> different kinds of materials yeah, uh, than this. But Will's right. It may be, I think it'll be a little faster than Will thinks it will be, but it's, it's not something you can go buy it today. Emails, you can send them to us. Use your email client to direct your electronic mail uh, to Tom and then use the at symbol and then write TWIT.TV. And then your mail comes to us electronically. You just gave them your email address. Oh, uh, TNT at twit.tv. <laughs> you can email me too. That's fine. <laughs> just thought I'd point that out. Yeah, it's, hey, Tom. Just wanted to say hey, buddy. Hey, Tell me to email you. All right. Uh, these came to TNT at twit.tv, though. Josh from Redmond, Washington says, Hey, guys. Having worked at Verizon Wireless, I've learned how CDMA and GSM differ in regard to handoffs. In short, you guys got it right yesterday. For mobile devices moving from one tower to the next in the same mobile switching center, CDMA devices perform soft handoffs where a mobile device receives data from two plus towers simultaneously, thus making it less liable that the connection will drop. GSM performs hard handoffs where the connection cuts over from one tower to the next in hope that the connection is still maintained. So thanks, Josh, for uh, confirming that. We appreciate that. Very cool. Mark wrote in, hey, TNT crew, last week I experienced the FaceTime bug that you were talking about in episode 215 on my iPad 2. I opened FaceTime, and there was a frozen picture of me from the last time I had FaceTime open. I made a FaceTime call, and the other person could not see me, but I could see them. Audio was working fine. My first thought was, the camera resource wasn't released properly, not that the iPad was secretly taking pictures of me. I hung up the FaceTime call, restarted my iPad, and then it was all good. I didn't think much of it until I heard about it on your show. I haven't been able to reproduce the bug, though, but if I do, I'll send video. Thank you. Mark. Uh, so, yeah, not limited to iPhone 4 users. I was wondering iPad if there was 2 something users as well. If there was something else going on besides it taking secret pictures of you. And maybe just the last time <laughs> yeah. you had the FaceTime app open, it just preserves a screen. In the Apple discussion uh, forum, they did have the same kind of theory that it was the camera resource being stuck, effectively. So that could be why... So it's still a bug, just less of a spy. Yeah, it might not be. Yeah. The Apple people not are spying insidious. on you, but yeah. yeah. 
All right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for watching. That's it for Tech News today. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with an all-new show, That's with all-new news. And it will be Liquid Friday. And it will be Liquid oh. Friday. So, uh, and, and we'll have uh, Peter Ha from The Daily on the show tomorrow as well. Cool. Check it out, twit.tv slash TNT. Give us a call, 260-TNT-SHOW, or email us, not Tom, but TNT at twit.tv. See you tomorrow.